Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There once was an author who had said that it's good to have money in all the things that money cannot buy. It's good for us to have a checkup once in a while, to check in upon ourselves, to make sure we have not lost sight of the things that money cannot provide. A rich man in Jesus' parable forgot to check up on the things that money can't provide. The money, our possessions, can indeed be wonderful gifts from our loving God, tools to be used in, with, and under His kingdom. However, many times possessions can easily turn against us. Our wealth can become so important to us that it takes the place that only God deserves within our lives. Possessions can turn into a God themselves if we are not wary. The very same is true of no possessions, by the way. Jealousy, covetousness is insidious. Today's text gives us a great opportunity to take stock of the possessions that we have in our life. And is the use of those possessions prudent? Is it prudent or is it possessive or are we possessed? Which of a man who asked Jesus to act as an arbitrator in an inheritance dispute? Was he being prudent or was he being possessive? Was he trying to only get that which was rightfully his or was he trying to hire Jesus as a lawyer in order to sort of skirt around his brother's will and maybe get just a a fraction more than what was his fair share. The way he phrases the question, one can see that he may indeed have possessiveness upon his mind. He certainly was letting his desire for a settlement get in the way of listening to what Jesus is there to talk about. What about the rich man in the parable? Was he being prudent or was he being possessive? His wealth had not come to him in any illegal fashion. It had not been immorally gained. His fields were just simply profitable. But he had to do something with all of those extra crops, could he not? Simply leaving them out in the open to to rot wouldn't be a moral thing to do. It's a wicked and a worthless servant who has granted a great gift from God and then lets them waste away. But I cannot help to notice all of the I statements. He sure does seem to have a pretty high esteem of himself. He thought unto himself, what shall I do? For I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I will pull down my barns. And I will build larger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods, and I will say unto my soul, soul, you have ample gifts. There was much more than prudence, I think, upon this rich man's mind. He sees his wealth as a proof of his morality, as proof of his his ethical goodness. He deserves this. Judaism of Jesus' day taught this as well, much like our own evangelical churches a lot of times with their name it and claim it mentality that God desires and God desires that you be healthy, wealthy, and healthy, and wealthy, maybe wise. 
But what of us? What do we do with our extra wealth? And does that indicate something about ourselves? You're basically the only ones who can answer that question for yourself. When you have extra wealth, or better yet, do you have extra wealth? I really wanted to write a sermon about our extra wealth, and then I was thinking about it. America's total credit card balance for the first quarter of 2022, according to the latest consumer debt from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, dropped $15 billion, which you'd think is a huge number. $15 billion. Woohoo! That leaves the number from down $15 billion down from $856 billion in the fourth quarter of 2021. I'd like to think that the drop in the consumer debt is because people are listening to the prophetic voice of Dave Ramsey. Bad things are coming. Get out of debt. It's probably just a fluke. So do you have extra income? Do you have extra wealth? And if you did, what would you do with it? So I got to thinking about what about our tax refunds? Do you get a tax refund or, or better yet, the 2021 stimulus checks? What did you do with those stimulus checks? The refund and stimulus checks are almost, almost the same thing as what we have in our parable. The rich man is blessed with possessions that have come into his life without him knowing where they came from. He just was more profitable this year than he was the year before. I seriously doubt if any of our family budgets teeter so closely on the brink of success or poverty that this little refund or this little stipend made much of an impact. But what if it had? What did you do with it? Did you save it? Did you spend it? Did you donate it? Did you do a little... Uh, did a little of all three. Would you say that what you did was prudent or was it possessive? I honestly can't remember what I did with mine. So if you're thinking, I don't know either, well, you're in good company. Maybe Stephanie remembered. Honesty demands that we recognize the possessiveness that dwells within us. We want things. We do. I mean, I want a new car. Well, not really a car. I want a Jeep. And I want a new one. I want an old one, an expensive one that somebody spent a lot of time and effort and bondo on. And if it wasn't a Jeep, it'd be a motorcycle. If it wasn't a motorcycle, it'd be new carpet. If it wasn't new carpet, maybe, maybe a roof. A roof would be nice. Maybe. Or a hot tub. That's what I need. I need a hot tub. It's, it's always something, is it not? Many times our motives are just not so much to do with prudence and more to do with just possessiveness. In the parable of the rich fool, Jesus takes the question to another more frightening level. Is it possible that the rich fool is not just possessive, but that he is actually possessed? And he is possessed by his possessions. They have lorded themselves over him. Has his pursuit of wealth and stuff become his God? Is it possible for us to be possessed by possessions with $841 billion in consumer credit? I think you might want to go, well, maybe. Maybe not for everybody, but certainly for some of us. It's a very real possibility that in a wealthy society like ourselves that we are continually, we are continually inundated by the consumer culture. 
We're consumed with gambling and day trading. We can even find a moral road into this, right? The more we spend, the better the economy is. I'm not being self-centered. I'm being a patriot. Buying a new car. Because I'm helping the economy. There are other things that can possess us as well. The pursuit of wealth is, is really well, well illustrated. It's an argument that we've, we've made hundreds of times. The author of Ecclesiastes laments that he has worked and toiled his whole life. Only to find the pursuit of wealth as being fleeting and folly. But this is not the only thing that our writer of Ecclesiastes has found to be fleeting and follious. Follious? Is that a word? Fallucy? Never mind. You know what I mean. Verse 1, chapter 12, he says, I, the teacher, when king over Israel and Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven is an unhappy business. Chapter 2, he says unto himself, Come now, and we will make a test of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And again, this was also vanity. The author sought uh, for fulfillment in many things. He pursued wisdom and he found it lacking. He sought recreation and found himself bored. He looked into wine and discovered that was fully absent. Even his career was without reward after a time. In chapter 12, the author tells us that his search for fulfillment has come unto a conclusion. The dust returns unto the earth that it was. The breath returns unto God who gave it. Vanities of vanities, says the teacher. All is vanity. But not as all lost. In chapter 12, the last verse, to the end of the matter, he has come to his conclusion. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the duty of everyone. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing done for evil or for good. Fulfillment we seek is found only in one place. Our fulfillment is found only in God. And just in his will, the total fulfillment of God's law. And Christ fulfills that fulfillment for us. Jesus himself is the counterpoint to the rich fool. He gives up his riches and he leaves the side of his father in order to become poor and to become poor for us so that we might become rich through his poverty. And this indeed is foolishness unto a world that we live in. However, it is the wisdom of God for those of us being saved. In baptism, we have become Christ's possession. He has bought us back from the penalties of sin and death and hell. He has bought us back from the penalties of being possessed, or at least being possessive of the things that we think that we own. Clothed with the perfect righteousness, Christ brings us the riches of the Lord's Supper. And we are then possessed by Christ. This is the gospel in which we see ourselves. This is the gospel in which we see the wisdom of God that even in recreation of a different light, we see ourselves being possessed by God. 
being ever brought into a, a new and a fresh and a real communion, being, being centered back upon that which is truly important, which is living within the will and the framework of the Lord God Almighty. To be used not only for our own simple enjoyment, but that, that we use ourselves and our gifts and our possessions and our time and our talent, that we use these unto the glory of God, but also for the benefit of our neighbor. This is what we call a cruciformed life, a life formed by, by Jesus Christ himself and his gift for us that we might imitate his life in our lives, that we be formed by Christ who died for us, that we be shaped by his death, that we, we also be shaped by his resurrection, that we live a life in faith towards God and in fervent love and mercy towards those around us. And since we have been raised with Christ, we set our minds, as Paul says, on things above. We look for an abundance of life, but we look for an abundance of life founded in Christ and his life and his mercy for those about us. We give thanks for the difference that the gospel makes in our lives. For the gospel, we learn real prudence looks like, that it looks far beyond our possessions and our possessiveness. But real fulfillment is more. It's being possessed by our maker who grants us forgiveness and life and salvation. In Jesus Christ, we give thanks unto the gifts that he has given unto us. Amen.